so grateful for Jeff and his wife and all that they do for us. Well, welcome. Good morning to Journey. We call this place Journey because all of us are on a journey. And we add the last part of it as the church because we are a church that believes in the kingdom church, not Journey the church. Because Journey the church is just one small piece of sand in the puzzle that Christ has for all of mankind. And we just need to do our part. But we as a congregation and we as a society need to promote the church no matter where you're at. So we're grateful that you're here. We are on mission. You know, you guys realize that it's six weeks away from Easter? And how, I thought, I'm still paying off my Christmas bills. And uh, Easter's already, and we got to get, get geared up for that. And so we are starting a new series today that will end on Easter Sunday. So hopefully you are getting your heart right and allowing Easter to become something really impactful in your life. We created teams several weeks ago and at the beginning of the, the year, we did this team uh, thing called Together. We were going to do church together. And we have team salvation, we have team revelation, and we have team transformation. All of these teams are things that people need in their life. If somebody doesn't know Jesus, hopefully in the next six weeks, you will engage with them and invite them to any church in the country. It doesn't matter. But ask them to go to church. And if you need to go to their church to get them there, then do it. We're not about filling our coffers. We're about filling the kingdom's coffer. The way that God speaks is he gives us revelation. That's what the Bible says. And so team revelation, praying for us day in and day out throughout the week and throughout the month and hopefully through Easter that we will hear something from God and it will stick and grow and let us understand him in a deeper way. And then team transformation, I can't even say it. I'm so excited about it team transformation, the team that's really been on my heart because that's what's happened to me. I'm really just a knucklehead that God has taken a hold of and transformed me, not because of anything that I've done, but because of his love for me and me trying to find the best possible me in him. Team transformation is a team that prays regularly that people will come into this church and be transformed. I sat in the pews for years, next to Jim and Sue, I got called into ministry. So I was sitting there just like you, and I can still sit there and listen to someone else. I don't need to be up here, but for whatever reason, that's where God wants me to be. Is that God? You guys hear that? So we are in a church on a mission, and our mission is to love the world. And that's hard to do. We were in Israel, and that part of the world is not always a loving place. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of chaos. And the truth is, they don't care about Christians. There's 1.2% of the Christians there. And we're very minuscule in the concept of being in Israel. And that's how it is. You would think that Christians would flock there and make it a place of, of holiness. But the truth is, it's not. And there's a reason for that. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. Now, here's what I want to do today is, man, it seems like it's been forever. Like I've grown a whole lifetime since the last time I preached. I preached a couple weeks ago, and then I went to Israel, got my heart rocked with Jesus over there, and now I'm back, and I'm super excited about what God is doing. So here's something that I talk to my family quite a bit, and if you know me, Jeremy loves when I ask him these questions. Do you want to hear the good news, or do you want to hear the bad news? Everybody always says the bad news first. What a bunch of morbid people. I'm like, let's get the good news out, and then it'll soften you up for the bad news. So there's always good news and bad news. Jeremy always says, is there really going to be good news this time? 
Because most of the time, mine is bad news and worse news, right? And so he's like, which one is really the good news here? So here's a couple of good news, bad news jokes, because this is the theme of today's message, good news and bad news. Here's, here's, some, here's some good news, bad news jokes. Uh, one of the church administrators comes to the pastor and says, Pastor, the last two weeks, the church has increased dramatically. And he's like, oh, that's great news. And he goes, unfortunately, the bad news is you haven't been here. <laughs> I haven't been here for a couple weeks, and so looks like first service is growing. I don't know what that means, but that's not always good news. Here's another one. The elder of the church comes up to the pastor and says, Pastor, we've accepted your job description. What you wrote was fantastic. We loved it. That's good news. But there's some bad news. And he says, what's the bad news, uh, sir? And he says, the bad news is the committee, the elder board, is on a search looking for a pastor to do the job. <laughs> That's not good. Here's something that I learned in Israel, and I want to show just some of the highlights of our picture as we talk about good news and bad news. And there was a conversation I had with God, but here's from our, uh, the first picture is uh, from our hotel up in, in the Sea of Galilee. And can you guys see the cross there? Every time I took a picture out on there, I took like 50 of them because I'm like, is there a cross? And I see just an image of the cross there, and that's outside of our hotel room in Tiberias. And God was speaking. The next picture, I think, is, a, is the picture of where we baptized people. And just look at the pristine and the peace. And as I was sitting there, God was speaking to me. And the following picture is, I think, the Mount Olive. Uh, oh, no, that's the place where Jesus was born. And that's the place that we all touched and went into a cave. Jesus wasn't in a manger. It was actually a cave. And then the next picture is uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. Right there, there's a tree to the left that's about 2,000 years old. There's the rock that Jesus came on. But here's what happened to me. And here's a, uh, here's a picture of just uh, Jerusalem in itself with the golden dome, the most famous picture. Here's what God said to me. The good news is that Jesus is alive. And he spoke to me clearly. But here's what the bad news is. The bad news, and if you look at the last picture, it says Jesus isn't here. Because... He told me, Jeff, you don't need to come to Israel to worship me because he's risen from the grave and he's in this place as well as he's in your home and in Israel. So we don't need to go to Israel to find Jesus Christ. That's not saying that we shouldn't go back. He's just saying, Jeff, I'm not here. I've risen, but I'm here everywhere if those people want to seek me and find me. And that was a powerful moment as we were in the tomb praying and worshiping, God speaking, saying, I'm everywhere. I've risen. I'm no longer here. So uh, the good news is he's alive. The bad news, it's not just in Israel. It's everywhere. Hopefully you'll come back. Uh, we're going to be doing a trip next year on February. If you want to go, uh, there's some information out there we'd love for you to be a part of. So today we're going to talk about a good news, bad news story. The good news is we have a king. We're on a new series called The King and His Kingdom. That's the first time I've said it right all week. I've had it backwards. So this is uh, The King and His Kingdom is a new series. And here's what Jeremiah writes. Jeremiah is a prophetic writer. He was the weeping prophet. And here's what he writes about the coming kingdom. It says, For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will rise up a righteous descendant from, the king, da from king David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the line, the land. We have a king that's coming. 
And he is going to do good things. And he's going to expand his kingdom. And Jeremiah is predicting that. That's the good news. The bad news, when Jesus comes, he separates sheep from goat. And our church, we want to make sure that you come here and that you stay out of the goat's pen and into the sheep's pen. Because the goat's pen is not a good place to go. So we are trying to make sure as a church that the king and his kingdom are glorified and all of us are into the sheep pen and pulling people out of the goat pen. Over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about the king and his kingdom, conflict, citizenship, how the Holy Spirit reveals himself to the kingdom, how to live in the kingdom of God, how to deal with some of the things in, in, in conflict, the proximity, how do we deal with the king and his kingdom and the proximity, dual citizenship, seeking first the kingdom of God. We have a lot of topics that we want to expand on, and hopefully your heart will be touched and filled by God's glory. Today we're going to talk about seeing things differently. Today we're going to talk about putting on a new set of glasses. This is part of our stuff from our photo booth last night, but I got a bunch of these, so we'll be using these out. We need to try and see things differently. And I'm not talking today about someone who doesn't know Jesus and is blinded by the world. I believe today is about disciplers. People that consider themselves followers of Jesus for a few years, a few decades, and God wants to speak into our heart about spiritual blindness. I believe that's what we're going to talk about today. When we use analogies, when we agree or disagree, we use a lot of sight analogies in this world. I need, Ron, to see with you eye to eye. That's an analogy. I need you to see with me eye to eye. We use that quite a bit in our terminology. Here's another one. Uh, I want to see from a different point of view, Wes. I'd love to see your point of view. We see these and we have this different conversation about sight analogies. We need to see things differently. One's eye to eye. The other one is from a different point of view. But here's the one that we all want. I need you to see this exactly the way I do. I don't like that one. I mean, I like it if you guys all saw it the way I did, but I don't like it the other way. The analogies of sight show us where we are at in our life. Eye to eye means you're focusing on someone else and you want to get together. Another point of view is very Christian. Seeing it from only my lens, not very good because it's hard for people to get into this crazy mind and see what the world is really like. As we talk about the king and the kingdom, today we want to look at um, how to see things differently, how to open up and not be spiritually blind. And we're going to go through a story of, of a blind man being healed. But the story in John chapter 9 isn't really about this blind man being healed. It's about the ending of the chapter. It's about the end of the chapter. So here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes. We're going to talk about a, a blind man. Now, I want you to close your eyes and kind of think about what it would be to be blind for a second. Now, I want you all to get up and go find the bathroom. Just kidding. Go ahead and open up your eyes. That was a joke. Today I want to tell a story about the blind man in John chapter, um, John chapter 9. But like I said, the first 34 verses aren't really about spiritual blindness. The first 34 verses are about people watching Jesus heal this man miraculously in Jerusalem. And that's what he's doing. So here's what happens. In, in, in the end of chapter 8, in John chapter 9, Jesus has gone into the temple. He's in the temple, and he says, I am, I was there before Abraham. 
I am the I am. And they're like, this is blasphemy. And they're ripping clothes and they're picking up stones and they're ready to kill him. And the Bible says that Jesus slipped away and he escaped because his time had not come for him to die. And as he slipped away on his way out of the temple, and I think we have a picture of the temple steps. We went to the temple steps and saying, Holy Spirit, there's a picture, an image of the temple steps. To the left at the very end, there's where Jesus walked. This is the actual temple. As Jesus walks out of the temple and into maybe the steps of Mount Olive, here's some of the steps that where Jesus walked in Mount Olives, the next picture. These are actual steps. They said he walked to and fro to the temple. As Jesus is walking out of the temple, he sees a blind man. And his disciples are with him and said, who sinned, Lord, his parents or him, because he's been blind from birth? They said, who sinned? And Jesus said, none of them sinned. He said, neither this man or his parents sinned, But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. He was born blind so that the work of God might be displayed in him, is what Jesus said. And after he said a few things, like, I'm the light of the world, and I'm here to show the world what light is, he comes up to the blind man, and he puts some spit on some mud, and puts it on his eyes, and says, go wash it under the pool of Siloam. And he walks away. The man walks away and washes himself. And then he gets out of the pool and and he sees and then he walks home. Doesn't meet Jesus. And that's going to mean something a little bit later. He walks home. And as he's walking home, his neighbor said, hey, that looks like the beggar that's always at the temple that is blind. But now he sees that can't be. It must be his brother. It must be someone that looks like him. And the guy's going, hey, no, it's me. I was blind, but now I see. And they're like, who did this? And he said, this man named Jesus. And so they rushed him to the Pharisees, and they said, uh, they took him to the temple and said, this man has been healed. And of course, it was on the Sabbath. You can't do any work on the Sabbath. In Jerusalem, everything shuts down from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. the following day on Friday to Saturday. You can't do any work. So the Pharisees start to investigate. They bring in the man, and they say, who did this to you? And what did he do? So the blind man, the former blind man says, look, he put spit on some mud, and I went and washed my eyes, and I see. And he's like, that's impossible. He can't do that. And so they're perplexed. They don't know what to do. They call this guy's parents. He's 37 years old. They call his parents into the principal's office. My parents have been to the principal's office quite a bit, by the way. My mom's shaking her head. More than one child should ever have been called in, by the way. Sorry, mom. So they're in the principal's office, and they go, is this your son? Yeah, that's our son. Was he blind at birth? Yes, he was blind at birth. Is he seeing now? It looks like he's seeing now. What happened? We don't know what happened. He's old enough for himself. Let him take responsibility. The parents didn't want to get in the mix of it because if they were outcast from the temple, they would be outcast from the whole Jewish society and they would have to go somewhere else and it would be an economic hardship and a cultural hardship. So they're like, he's 37, he's on his own. If you're 37 and you're not on your own, that's a message for you. You got a couple years, you're good. So now the parents are saying, go deal with him because they don't want to be ostracized. 
And so they bring him back in again. And they go, so how did this happen? And they say this in verse 24. Give God the glory by telling the truth, they said. We know this Jesus man is a sinner. Give God the glory and tell the truth. And the guy says this. Whether he's a sinner or not, I have no idea. I don't know if he's a sinner, but what I know this. I was blind this morning, but I washed my mud off my eyes and now I see. That's the glory that I'm going to give God. And then they say, well, how did he open up your eyes? And he goes, why are you asking me again? I've already told you the story. Do you want to be his disciple? This guy then stands up to the leadership. And they're like, whoa, what are you talking about? We're disciples of Moses. Because we know Moses heard from God. This man, we don't even know where he's from. This guy looks at him. And says, listen, this is remarkable. You're following Moses, but you don't even know where this guy's from. But only sinners, uh, only people that aren't sinners can work God's will. This man obviously is not a sinner. He listens to God and follows the will of God. Nobody has ever heard of somebody opening up the blind man's eyes from birth. And this man couldn't do it if he wasn't for God and with God. And now the Pharisees are upset, and this is verse 34. It says, they, you have been steeped in sin since birth, and now how dare you lecture us? Remove yourself from the temple. And this is a tragic place in this man's life. He's had the greatest day in history because his eyes now see, but by the end of the day, he's been removed from the temple and the, and, and the authorities of Judaism. So here we stand in this place. If you're able to stand today, we're going to read from the Word of God. All of that is a great story. I was passionate. Hopefully you felt that. But here's what he wants to talk. We can talk about the miracles and how Jesus worked and how he gives sight and how powerful he is. But here's what Jesus wants to talk to our congregation today about. It's about spiritual blindness. In John 9.35, it says this. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out of the temple and when, he found, and, when, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus says, you have seen him, and in fact, he is the one speaking to you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped. Let's pray for salvations. Let's pray for revelation and transformation. But more importantly, let's pray that God will minister to all of us. Right now, Father in heaven, we seek you. We thank you for our salvations for those that have it, and we thank you for the future salvations. We pray that you will give us a revelation that will stick to us forever, etch it upon our heart, mind, and soul, Lord, so that we can be transformed in the glory and the image of your eyes, Lord. For all of us that are spiritually blind, even if we are a mature believer, will you open up our eyes, Holy Spirit, so that we can see your kingdom and how your king works in that kingdom. Father, we praise you and we lift you up in Jesus' holy, precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The kingdom of God is all around us. And when your eyes are wide open and when you put on a lens that Christ has given us, you see things differently. When you look at the kingdom and you put on a new set of sunglasses with Jesus as the lens, you see things differently. That's the good news. The bad news is 
that Jesus comes and he radically changes us and pulls us out of selfish sin and selfish ways, even as mature believers. And some people are going to have their toes stepped on or their hearts crushed today because God is going to speak to us about spiritual blindness, even as mature believers. Christ wants to give us a new set of glasses. He wants to reveal himself so that we can truly understand what he wants from us. What is spiritual blindness? What does that mean? What is that definition? Here's what it says. To be spiritually blind is to not see Christ. And if you don't see Christ, you don't see God. We as a society believe, Christians believe in Christ. And because of that, we should see God in everything that we are and everything that we do. We should see him and understand him. But a lot of us are spiritually blind even though we claim Jesus as Lord. And so hopefully by the end of the message, we'll have a better understanding. Our world is this. I am on a search for happiness and comfort and protection. I want to live in a house with a garage door opener so I never see anybody. I want to be safe. I don't want anybody to ever knock on my door. And I want the checks to roll in constantly. That's what we're seeking, but we're not seeking the truth. That's not the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not looking for the truth because we're not happy because the truth always doesn't make us happy. Here's what Pascal says. Pascal was an old prodigy a couple hundred years ago. Here's what it says. Truth is so obscure in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. At a jail cell in San Jose, as I was embarking on my journey locked up, I made a decision that I was going to know the truth and the truth was going to set me free. And the truth is, I didn't understand any of it, but this became my true north. This became my path. And I said, I'm going to believe everything in here. And if I have questions, I'm not going to let it derail me. And the truth is, there's 1,500 pages There's a lot of words I can't pronounce. There's a lot of names. And there's about 3 or 4% that is really hard to swallow as a Christian. It's hard to think and read some of these things and go, wow. Man, I hope you clear that up later. Because right now, it's a little tough to deal with. But this is my true north. And if I don't love the truth, and I'm just looking for happiness, comfort, and safety as a Christian... I might be spiritually blind. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate in this story. So here's four things that kind of reveals why Jesus looks at the spiritually blind. Here's four things. They're probably up on the screen. The first thing is Jesus seeks those who are blind or those that are spiritually blind. In this story of the blind man, the blind man gets the mud, washes his, uh, his eyes in the pool, and then does it say that he, he goes up to Jesus and claims him as Lord? No, that's not what it says. It says he goes home. Jesus healed him, but he didn't bring him into the kingdom because that wasn't the point. A lot of times we want Jesus to do a miracle as Christians. God wants to do miracles so that people will know that Jesus is alive and that he could do the work in that miracle so that other people can see God work and move. Here, this man goes and gets his eyes washed, but after he's been ostracized and kicked out of the temple, the Bible says Jesus went and found him because Jesus seeks those that are spiritually blind. 
Jesus seeks those and wants those people into his heart and close to his heart. It says Jesus heard that he had thrown him out, and when he found him, he asked him some questions. Jesus wants to seek you right now, and he wants to minister to you where you're at. The other thing that we see, Jesus alone has the power to open up blind eyes. Physical blind, he's the only one that can do that. He also has the power to open up the spiritually blind. We as Christians, I believe, this is my own personal take about my own life, is as I accepted Jesus, I became more self-righteous. And more self-righteous. And then more self-righteous because I go to church and I put in the offering and I serve and I do and, and I devote and I might be blind. I might be the new Pharisee. Jesus has the power to open it up. And he says, do you believe? And he says, sir, who should I believe in? Tell me so that I may. Because I was blind yesterday or this morning, but now I see. Tell me. Because I know there's something about you that I've never had in my life. I not only see physically, but I want to see from my heart and see spiritually. So for, for, for us to remove the spiritual blindness, here's what it says. We need to admit that we are blind and we need to accept Jesus for who he is. That's not talking about just salvation. That's talking about, did I come into church angry at the person next to me? Don't look. Keep focused on me. <laughs> Elbows flying everywhere. He says, I want you to admit that I need a savior every day. In my life, I get on my, actually, I don't get on my knees. That's a lie. I'm trying not to lie to you today. Uh, I lay in my bed. I'm, I'm, I, I read my Bible. But before I even get my Bible, uh, I just pray, God, not my will, your will. I'm a chump. You're king. I need you. Something similar to that. And then I'm seeking him every day, admitting that I'm blind. I'm spiritually blind. Without him, I will go on my own, and I will wind up in the casinos and then prison, probably. That's one of my two stops that I would go to, probably, without Jesus. And that's where I don't want to go. Jesus says, if you admit that you're blind and you seek him, he's there for you. The last thing says, when you truly confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe, you start to gain spiritual insight. The problem is we start to gain spiritual insight and knowledge and wisdom and all this stuff that we acquire and we become self-righteous. And we become blind to the truth because we're seeking something completely different. I want a nice house and a nice car and I want to live in a safe place and my job's got to be epic. And Jesus would say, well, what about the missionaries that go out? I was talking to a missionary yesterday that went out and got sick for a couple months. Miserable. What about that? Is that God's will? To truly understand him, you've got to admit that you're spiritually blind. And when you gain spiritual insight, you start to understand it's not always about safety. The truth of Jesus is there's many people that are hurting in this room, but they look like they're doing really well. But when we have a new set of glasses that come into our life, this is my favorite Urkel one. When we put on a new set of glasses... We gain spiritual insight, and I see the world completely different. 
Without this, I can't see the pain and suffering. But with these spiritual lenses on, I could see there's a congregation of people hurting me mentally, physically, and spiritually, and they're being attacked by the darkness, and the light of Jesus needs to come in. What makes us blind? What makes us blind? I would say pride, arrogance, selfishness, power. When you get power, pastors get a little bit of power. Pastor, what a great message. Hallelujah, Jesus. A little bit of power, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years. I can't even hear anybody else because I'm used to listening to myself. The power, all of a sudden, I'm spiritually blind. I'm not even focused on any of you. I'm focused on what I'm saying and how good I look. I know, I look good today, but <laughs> that's beside the point. Power gets us off track. How about money? Does money derail? We've spent three weeks talking about money. Money can push us right out of the will of God, and we can be combined with that because we believe that's more powerful than the will of God. How about pain and suffering? How many people, and I don't want to see your hands, have had pain in their life because of something that's pushed you right out of being happy with God and content with God? I've been there. Pain and suffering can make us spiritually blind. How about control or addictions? You try and control everything, where's God's room? If you're an addictive, you can't see things clearly. It's hazy, and you need a new set of lenses. One reason that people uh, are lacking spiritual insight is they refuse to admit that they don't, they're blind. Their concept is, man, I'm pretty good. I go to church. I do some things at church. I volunteer. I'm going to do the egg hunt. I'm pretty good. I qualify for heaven. I don't really need to worry about being blind or not blind because I see the way that I want to see. Yeah, I need a little boost from God every now and again. I might need bifocals. I don't need a new set of glasses, though. Little bifocals, so occasionally I go, oh, there's some clarity. There's some clarity. Yep. But I don't really need you every day because the way I see, I've been in church for years. I see things so well, I don't really need you that much. And I would say we're spiritually blind. Sight is needed. Because when you put on this new set of glasses, you see that that person right next to you is in the most amount of pain that you could ever imagine. And that pain can be anything. And that's where Christ wants you to minister. Moses writes in the Pentateuch, he writes in Deuteronomy, he's renewing this covenant. And he's telling the Israelites out of the 40 years in the desert, he's like, I'm going to renew this covenant. And Deuteronomy 29.4, after he's saying, listen, we've done things. God has done miracles and brought us out of slavery, and he's done great things. In Deuteronomy 29.4, uh, he says this to them. But to this day, the Lord has not given the minds that understand, nor the eyes to see, nor the ears to hear. Even though they have been taken out of slavery, even though they have moved into great lengths to get to this place, the promised land, he says they still don't have the eyes to see 
and the mind to understand and the ears to hear because they are spiritually blind. They don't realize that God just provided for them for 40 years. It says their clothes never wore out for 40 years. Man, I need some for my girls. Their food never run out. God says, listen, you guys don't even see this. But in John chapter 14, a few chapters ahead of the blind man story, here's what Jesus says. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you love me, you will become spiritually fit and have a new set of glasses and you will follow my commandments, the truth of who God is, if you love me. And then I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us to all truth. We don't want the truth, but the Holy Spirit will open up our eyes to lead us to the truth. The world cannot receive him because he isn't looking for him and he doesn't recognize him. But you know him because Jesus is walking with him right there. But he says later he will be in you. For Christians today, we have a Holy Spirit that leads us to all truth. When we put on the, the correct sunglasses, the good news is Jesus will bring truth into your life. The bad news is you might not, you might not like the answers. That brings us to the point of judgment and the true message that Jesus is trying to communicate. After all this blindness and healing and Pharisees weren't murmuring about, you can't heal on the Sabbath. A lot of whining, a lot of bickering, the parents disowning their kid. This guy's had an epic day and then he has an epic fail. It says in 39, it says, for judgment has come to this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him said this and asked, What are we blind to? And Jesus said, If you were blind, then you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim to see, your guilt remains. We have an opportunity to live life with these glasses that are, man, uh, that are made by Jeff from God. Or we have an opportunity to take something outside of our life and put it in the center of our life and bring the good news of Jesus Christ so that we can see things completely different. Even when it leads us to bad situations. This man was healed, good news, healed, can see. Bad news, I've just been excommunicated. I'm probably not going to be able to work in Jerusalem anymore because the temple doesn't want me and everybody's going to shun me. I'm going to be unclean. The bad news is that he's lost everything. How does that happen all the time? Somebody comes in, comes to church, comes forward, cries out to the Lord, gets saved, and the next few days and weeks, their life falls apart. That's how God works. People get baptized. And then all of a sudden, for 40 days and 40 nights, spiritual attacks, random girlfriends and boyfriends call. Haven't heard from you in 20 years. Good things happen, and then bad things happen. That's the truth of the gospel. And Jesus says, I will walk with you in good times, and I will be there in bad times. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. If you see me, God will move and do mighty things in your life. So here's the problem. Here's the conflict. To stay spiritually blind, you need to insist that you don't need new sight. 
I guess we're not going to use those. If you remain spiritually blind, you need to insist that you don't need sight and you don't need a savior. Would you like a set of glasses? No, thanks. I can do it on my own. I go to church, I got to listen to you. Isn't that enough? That's not enough. To stay spiritually blind, you reject the gift of sight. You reject this beautiful gift. Jesus is saying, listen, the good news is if you bring me into your heart, I will give you a gift, and that gift will lead you to the truth. Hallelujah, Jesus. Most of us say, and we sing these songs, yes, Lord, bring me to the truth. I come to the foot of the cross, but when the cross really comes, you shine on Jesus saying, I can't really go there. And we remain spiritually blind. The result of spiritual blindness, hardened hearts, bitter mind, eternal damnation. Are you saying, Jeff, that we can be eternally damnated? Is that the right word? If not, I just made up another word. That's my 700th word that I've made up over the years. Jeremy's looking it up right now to make sure to see if it's good. I'll get that in a meeting on Tuesday. We become eternally judged if we try and live our life with our own glasses. And I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about somebody out there that doesn't believe. That person we're going to deal with in a second. Because they are blind and they don't see the glory of God. But we as Christians can't let the world come in and creep into our life and, and be blind. Jesus, wants, Jesus is in the business of letting the blind see. The spiritually blind and sometimes the physically blind. Jesus is in the business. That's his job. That's one of his core responsibilities. I want you to see things differently. That's the good news. The bad news is you're going to see things in the way that I see them. And it's not always going to be pleasant, safe, and comfortable. Some of you I want you to go out into the world. Others I want you to fix your marriages and your relationships. Others I want you to stop the things that you're doing that's devastating your family. That's the truth. If you admit your blindness, Jesus wants to bring a healing, anointing power over you. And if he doesn't heal you completely here, he will heal you completely there. Because that's our eternal promise. All of us will be healed one day. And our job is to follow the spiritual truth. Paul writes to the Ephesians church. He says, you are not controlled by your sin nature. You are no longer controlled by that sin nature. When you put on a new set of glasses, the good news is you don't have to live that life anymore. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living within you. That's what you get. Now the spirit will take you all kinds of places. But in the end, the riches and the rewards far outweigh the struggles, because the truth will set us free. God's purpose in our life is not just about reading, tithing, serving, devoting, going to church on Sundays, and taking communion in a few minutes. All that's part of God's plan, but that's not our purpose. God came into the world so that we will put on a new set of glasses so that we will learn humility that we will learn grace in all the aspects of our life. We will learn compassion and kindness. 
We will learn spiritual love. We will learn self-control, forbearance, or forgiveness. We will learn to live in the fruits of the Spirit. He wants us to open up our eyes and see that today. Will you see with him? Will you allow him to wash the world's mud off your eyes today? Will you look at his heart, maybe for the first time, and see the pain that he has for this world because we are lost? Even if we are found in Jesus, a lot of us are lost. There's a lot of talk in the Bible about people that call themselves Christians aren't going to make it because they're spiritually blind. Not at this church. Not here. Because we're going to come before Jesus and we're going to be cleansed. And we're going to be healed. And we're going to see things in a new way. Because the king and his kingdom is here and alive and he's got all power to change this place. Do you believe that today? Let's just bow our heads. God's doing work and ministry in all of us. Right now, you feel that? He's starting to speak truth to you. He's starting to speak to your heart. Father, continue to minister to us and bring real truth into our life so that we see you for who you really are. Take away the world's mud so that we can see the spiritual love. We no longer want to be blind, Father. And for those that have never accepted Jesus into their heart, today's a day to open up your eyes to the King and His kingdom. Receive Him as Lord and Savior by saying a simple prayer. If you're out there, this is for you. Repeat after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul. And let me see you for who you are. The Bible says that you died and rose again for me so that I may have everlasting life. I believe you are my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, come upon me and teach me how to work and walk in your ways from this day forward. Father, bring revelation to us all. In Jesus' name.